What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller, joined on a fantastic Wednesday morning by my buddy Connor Rogers. Connor, you're back in studio in New York. I'm back in studio in Joplin. And it's weird to be talking to you on the phone, not sitting right beside you. I know, it really is. And I'm still waking up, dude. That was a long, uh, I mean, probably even a longer week for you, but a really long extended weekend for me at the NFL Combine. We have a ton of news, rumors, notes, winners, all kinds of stuff. Uh, You know, we recapped a lot of the first half of the Combine on Monday. So today on Wednesday, we'll do the second half because good Lord, Matt, did some of these pass rushers, defensive linemen, off-ball linebackers, and defensive backs test really, really well in Indy. It's almost like we've been saying for three to to longer than three for nine months that this was going to be a great defensive draft, right? Without a doubt. uh, Guess what? Uh, Told you all it was going to be a great defensive draft. So before we get into the show, because we have a lot of news to rip through, we're going to update you guys on the franchise tag deadline that is uh, Tuesday when Connor and I are recording. We're going to get to a lot of your draft on draft questions. But first, thank you again to everybody who came out in Indianapolis. The show goes on, though. We have another meetup. March 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern time in Nashville, Tennessee at Honey Fire Barbecue. I have been creeping their Instagram for about a year, and I am so excited to just eat there. I'm excited. We're going to do the podcast there, but I'm excited to eat there. No one should try talking to you. Just let the man eat. Let him have a good time. He's been excited for this. You heard him for a year just thirsting on Instagram like a... uh, I don't know, like a, like a basic, but yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it was a ton of fun in Indy. I mean, we had about what I would say over a hundred people in total show up. So a really awesome time seeing everyone. And I mean, we had so much going on, whether it was at night, people we ran into a couple of great stories for you guys, even stories on the way out, Matt, I saw, I was on the security line and Nicole Hardman was behind me. And I was like, and like, I couldn't tell at first. And I was like, man, like, he's not that big, but like, he's definitely somebody that was at the combine. He was holding his nameplate sign. And I thought that was like, oh, I thought that was cool. like really cool because it's like, you've heard, I've heard so many good things about Nicole Hardman, like from a character standpoint and just everything about him. And then you see like someone that really clearly cherished the experience of the combine where he had to carry that nameplate sign with him through the airport. I love that. You know, you know this because you've been in my office. I have kept every credential I've ever been given. Uh, yeah, like, I throw them in a drawer. Cool to me. Totally. Yeah. It's still like I have them hanging up in the office and it's like getting to be a, a mess how many there are. But like, that's still a cool thing to me. So that is an awesome story. We have some that. I don't know. We got to figure out what makes the podcast. What doesn't we don't want to out I don't, anybody. So no, we won't out anyone. But I mean, we just had a lot of fun. Like we were eating dinner uh, one night and we were next to a table that included a variety of <laughs> Sean McVay, Andy Reid, Frank, uh, Frank Reich. I mean, I saw Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson. There. Mike it was, McCagnin. Mike McCagnin stopped by. Like, it was a collection of top NFL guys all sitting at this giant table. It was hilarious. And just, I mean, and it seems like nobody could ever leave Sean McVay alone. Like, we have the funny stories about them stealing plays from each other. Well, I feel like everybody does that to Sean McVay no matter what time of year it is or where they are. Exactly. And the highlight of me for the whole combine was getting to see our guy, Big Country, meet Andy Reid, who is like his idol. Uh, he's, he was shaking. I mean, it would be like, like imagine meeting like a supermodel. Like if I met Blake Lively <laughs> Andy and Reed's she were supermodel. interested in me, right? <laughs> like that, that Andy Reid is Big Country's Blake Lively. So that was the Amazing. moment. It was great. Uh, let's get into the, the winners from the defensive side. Uh, Monday was a travel day for a lot of people in the NFL, but we got to go home Sunday so we could actually watch the drills 
uh, that happened on Monday. A lot of the DBs ran really well, but a couple winners for me. Montez Sweat, it's ridiculous. God. OBJ can get on Twitter and talk whatever he wants. You ran a four four three, dude, and Montez Sweat ran faster than that. He is a, it's just physically rare. I think is the best way to put him. I had him at number eleven overall on my big board before the combine, so I don't know that he's going to see like a huge bump up. But I, I really, really like this player, and I appreciate it, Connor. You gave me some love on Twitter about this. I've liked him so much, and it just seems like every time we see him, we end up liking him more. He gets better. I, I mean, he's one of those things where I watch him this year. I'm like, man, he's really productive. He's got great length. He wins on the outside a lot, and he was starting to show a counter move. And it's one of those things where we don't put him in the class, obviously, of like a Nick Bosa kind of player because he does look a little upright and stiff at times on film. And then you go to the Senior Bowl, you do really well. You obviously go to the Combine, and you test absolutely off the charts. So, Matt, this is someone you've been saying – Hey, he's probably going top 15, maybe creeping into the top 10. You've been saying this for months now. And then you look at the combine and there are people in the NFL that believe he has become a top 10, top 12 lock now after yeah, this. Absolutely. And and I, I'm on board with that. Like I, and I put a new mock draft out. It came out Tuesday morning. So by the time you guys hear this, hopefully you've read it, but you know, I had him going number eight overall to the Detroit lions. Hey, I think he has crazy at all. replaced someone like Cleveland Furl as a top 10 pick. I have him higher than Ed Oliver. I mean, I got him higher than a lot of really good players that we've talked a lot about. So Montez Sweat is probably the biggest overall winner for me from the entire thing, not just defense. And Sweat was so good, he overshadowed my first winner, Brian Burns. This was someone I got to see in person this year when I went down to Miami, FSU Miami, and he had a strip sack in that game. And you could really see how he can turn the corner and use those longer arms to swat the ball out of the quarterback. I mean, he's almost got those 34 inch, you know, long arms and six foot five, 250 pounds. That's what to note here. I think combine winners need to come with context, right? And with Brian Burns, you and I knew he's a really, really good athlete. He wins with explosiveness and speed on the outside of the tackles. And then you go and you say, well, he probably played every scout. I'll tell you played at 225 all year which is really, really light for a guy that's viewed as a defensive end or an edge rusher. He comes into the combine, weighs 249 pounds. Great. Added 25 pounds of good weight. He looks really, really good. How is he going to test with that added weight? Because a lot of guys don't carry it the right way. He runs a 4-5, 340-yard dash, 36-inch vertical jump, 129 broad, 701 three cone. That's really great That's number. Crazy. 25 pounds of added weight, and then you test that well. Sweat was so good. It overshadowed how important this combine was for Burns because he went out and tested like the athlete we knew he was, but he did it playing looking much, much heavier, much more muscle added. So Brian Burns, big time winner. That's super important. Uh, Mello and I talked to him about a month ago, I think, and we asked him about weight. You know, there were rumors he was going to be in the 220s. And how many guys do we see bulk up and not run? You know, like we saw Kyler Murray Kyler bulk Murphy. up, doesn't run. Brian Burns weighs in at two fifty, and everybody's like, "No way, he's running. No way." Four 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 five three jumps thirty six, and like you said, the seven zero one three cone is fantastic for him. So, like, hats off to him for for not being afraid to compete. He gained weight, he held that weight, and he worked out and was still explosive. Still impressive at that size, so really, really good, good week for him. I, I think, week. like you said, with with Montez Sweat, Brian Burns should be in the conversation as a top fifteen pick. Like, if the Dolphins figure out their uh, their quarterback need, or if they decide to just wait for next year, like he makes sense to them in the first round. The Packers, he makes sense to them in the first round. So, 
with Sweat and Burns testing so well and Cleveland Furl not testing well, I wouldn't be shocked because I felt like they were all kind of similar prospects. They were all in that like 10 to 15 range for me. I, I could see Sweat and Burns going before him. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I still have Cleveland Farrell higher than both of those guys. I think what you put on film for three years and, um, you know, something we're going to talk about. I tweeted this Cleveland Farrell. I pulled a lot of teams. I said, what was your favorite interview? Cleveland Farrell and Devin White were the two names that just kept coming up over That's and good. over and over again. So what we get to see on TV does paint a lot of the picture, but sometimes what we don't get to see on TV was actually one of the areas that Cleveland was able to keep up with these guys because these That's, guys, they're just better athletes than him. But, yeah, but he, his, he'll roll on the rear. Yes. His motor's so good. Length, You're segueing yep. me perfectly, yep. though. Another one I want to talk about, the Devons. I love Devin it. White the and Devin Bush, man. <laughs> two inside linebackers. And they're the only two linebackers I would draft in the first round as Agreed. far as off-ball guys. Devin White comes in, runs a 4-4-2. I'm so happy for him. You know how big a fan I am of Devin White, someone who I I, I just really respect as a human being. So 4-4-2 for him, awesome. He had a great combine all around. Just fantastic day. But let's not forget about Devin Bush, who weighs in at 234 pounds. That was a massive win for him. He ran a 4-4-3. He jumped 40 and a half inches. His three cone was sub seven. His short shuttle was at four, two that he had a great all around day and showed again, a guy who we were worried about size. How tall is he going to be? We heard five, nine from some teams, five, 11, is a very good weight for him. And then to test very well, athletically. So Devin Bush, unfortunately, I couldn't slot into my mock draft that came out today. I wanted to, because I, I believe he is a first round player, but the run on edges, receivers, quarterbacks it just slipped him out but I want to add this in if CJ Mosley leaves Baltimore Devin Bush is a perfect replacement for him at 22 if they are able to fill some of the other holes in free agency I agree with you in full and that's something that we're going to talk about in depth later on the show the CJ Mosley situation because something I've heard a lot about I remember back in I think it was the first week in November I released my first top 50 and I had Devin, this is like a stupid humble brag, but I just kind of want to clarify. I had Devin Bush 14th overall. And a lot of people said to me, they said, this seems really early for him. I heard he's small. He's this and that. I think the weird narrative with Devin Bush was that he was small and he was really just kind of short. And then you see how muscular he is, how thick he is, how explosive, how fast he is. And I mean, I don't know if anyone brings more attitude to the middle of the defense than this right. guy. So he really, really had a strong combine performance and just keeps rising and a really fun player that should go in the first round of this draft. So another guy that just, I think, shocked everyone like this was truly shocking. Chase Winovich from Michigan. I mean, what else do you have to do at this point? And we talk about narratives with Burns. It was, hey. He's too light with Devin Bush. Hey, he's, he's too short. Montez Sweat looks a little stiff. Chase Winovich, is, and he said it himself. He goes, I get classified as, you know, as the high motor, try hard kind of white dude. And you go to the combine. Now, he's got great size and productivity at Michigan. I mean, he's six foot three, 200, almost 60 pounds, big hands. And then you go and you run a four, five, nine. And here's the most important part, Matt, because he didn't jump that well. Doesn't whatever. I mean, Six nine four three cone. Did you see Ooh. that change? That change of direction, that agility from a guy like Winovich, who is all everyone's like, oh, you know, great handwork, high motor, love his, you know, his style of play. I think that three cone for him has solidified him as probably a top fifty pick in this draft right now. I agree. Here's the like, I'm so glad you said this, man, because fuck narratives. If you watched Michigan play, just. Act like you didn't know anything about any of their players and you watch Michigan play. 
the best defender on the field was Chase Winovich. Oh, him and Devin, Devin Bush, Bush were way better than yeah. Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary, David Long at corner. Like, they have a lot of dudes that are going to get drafted. But if you just watch football, Chase Winovich was their best player. His yeah. pursuit. So to see that agility, that speed, and someone who's like been hurt. You know, we didn't get to see him at the Senior Bowl because he's been hurt. So I'm very excited about him. He's going to be one of those dudes that's like a second-round pick. And then we're looking back in five years saying, how is a, a guy who has eight to nine sacks every year, how is he a second-round pick? And, and he'll be a team captain. He'll be a team captain who has, you know, a, some Pro Bowl years. And he's going to, I really believe, he's going to be a rock-solid NFL player. I'm with you all the way. I mean, it was it was actually one of those things where I was genuinely happy about because I think I fell into the trap, too, where I'm like, I don't really know how athletic he is. I just know he's, you know, technically sound. You love his once again, like Devin Bush. Those guys have a different attitude in the defense. I think he has really good hands and he plays with his hair on fire. But then you go and you're like, no, stupid. He's a really good fucking athlete. Stop buying <laughs> right. into all this bullshit online right. on Twitter and all this nonsense and just kill it. Like the guy is, it was just awesome for him. Really, really good stuff. Yeah. Moving on. My three favorite defensive backs, uh, all tested so well. And that makes me so happy where you're like, when you watch a guy, you're like, God, I love the way he plays. Yeah. Cause you don't and have to go you, back to the film. <laughs> right. It, it makes it, it makes my job so easy. So I want to shout out greedy Williams, who, uh, silenced a lot of people and no, there's not a tackling drill at the combine. So greedy can't answer that question, unfortunately, but four, three, seven for him is fantastic at six, two, one eighty five. Sean bunting. I've been raving about him to you and mellow for a while now to run a four, four, two to vert 41 and a half. I think he's going to be a top 50 pick when it's all said and done. He's inside my top 50 rankings. And then Rocky sin, someone that we've been talking about for so long on this show. I, I love the way he plays. When all it's said and done, I would not be shocked if he's my top corner just because like I am so like just obsessed with his style of play. And he tested very, very well. Now his 40 at 451 is not like great, but it's good for him. But his three cone is short shuttle and his drill work. That was what was so impressive for me. Talking to teams over the past couple of days. I actually heard that DeAndre Baker did not interview well. And, that and that's an area where like Rocky Sin, who was a two-time uh, wrestling champ in high school, teams love that shit. And so for DeAndre Baker to not test well and not show up as very explosive, Rocky Sin being so aggressive, athletic, and a great interview – I think that could put him up there with Greedy as maybe the top corner. I love what you brought up with workouts because something that was interesting to me is, and, and you and I both love this guy, Byron Murphy. Everybody loves like a a fact, like a number you could put on a piece of paper and look at. And Byron Murphy ran a 4.55, which is not good for him. It, he obviously added, I would say it looked like 10 pounds. He added getting up to 190. I think he played at 180. Runs a 4.55. Then I'm watching the drills and I was picking the brains of some people that are paid a lot more than you and I to do this, to pick these players and just a flawless workout. They were like, you see it in the backpedal, flipping the hips, the change of direction. So for Byron Murphy, I think something that got really caught up is, hey, that 40 is not great. But when it came down to doing drills that pertain to a cornerback, he absolutely crushed it. So, And I think with Rock, it's been the same way. I mean, this is a guy that's basically stolen your heart when Trayvon Mullen had it for so long. So a really, really good yeah. combine for him. My last one on this list, Blake Cashman. Whoa. I mean, I'm going to keep it real with you. 
I hadn't made it to his film yet when before this combine. I mean, it's early in March. I still have a, a ton of people to watch. But you look at someone who's 6'1", and probably played around 230 pounds. It's just smaller, like, you know, not a lot of length, you know, smaller hands. And he just absolutely kicked ass the way he tested. We were talking before the show, Matt. You're like, man, he looks like the perfect kind of 4-3 will. The way he yeah. moves, the explosion. I mean, that 4-5-40, the 6-9-5-3 cone, he jumped very well. So Blake Cashman, somebody that was really getting zero love is now finding his way into a linebacker class that needs guys behind the Devons because it's the Devons and then everyone else so far behind. So somebody needs to get into that tier two and own it. And I think if you're a guy like Blake Cashman, you've started that process now. Yeah, we have done a full report on him for Draft 400, and I, I don't want to give away the the uh, content. The give it, give away the grade. Yeah, but uh, I the biggest knock on him that probably we'll see what happens the next week, he had surgery on both shoulders last year. So like that, yep. when you're a linebacker and you've had two shoulder surgeries, like that's not great. And he can struggle to take on blocks at times, which you would expect for a guy who's a little bit small. But those testing times will send everybody back to the film. He's on my list. I, I was doing radio this morning. I was telling somebody like this week is probably the most intense film week of the whole year for me because I make a list of anomalies at the combine. And the, now it's time to go back and watch those guys. So uh, I'm very, very excited to dig in on Blake Cashman and see see if there's anything that we missed. Um, let's get to some combine rumors. There's some fun uh, ones. Yeah, quickly. We Man, I feel like we went about 20 minutes. That's on, all right. Uh, Keep it going. Keep, the people yeah. love more content. Right. Yeah. Uh, Whiskey can put ads in wherever he wants here. We'll just have fun with it. Combine rumors. And I, I, I don't want to <laughs> say who. No, don't. But Saturday night, we're walking back. Me, you, Mellow, Big Country. Uh, it was just us, right? It was just yeah, just us. us. And uh, and one other person, <laughs> one other person walks out of a bar, and I go, "Oh, hey, man, what's up?" Well, you know, we do the the bro hug thing. Oh, I love your work, Matt. You do a great job. Oh no, I love your work, man. You're very good at what you do. And we're having this moment, and he goes, "Draft's going to be interesting, isn't it?" Why? This is a person <laughs> who owns the keys to the 2019 NFL draft, and the first thing he says to us. Draft's going to be interesting, isn't it? So I don't want to say who, and there's no amount of uh, unnamed beers that could get me to say who, but those of us who were there know this was a special moment. And I want to tell you, if if this gentleman is saying it's going to be an interesting draft, hold on to your fucking hats because it's going to be an interesting <laughs> draft. Buckle the fuck up. Right? Uh, maybe it's one of those stories that the full truth can come out on the draft night After desk draft. when you guys are watching yeah. uh, on Bleacher Report because I know that's where all you're going to be watching us. So, yeah, yeah that was um, legendary, to say the least. And another interesting note that seems way less surprising and almost like a done deal already, Nick Foles to the Jaguars. is Matt, do you think this one is like almost wrapped up at this point? I do, and this is something that we have talked about so often on this show that it's at that point where it just it feels like it's already done. So, uh, and I know Adam Schefter is much better at, at breaking news than any of us will ever be, and he has said that this sounds like a done deal. But just the last week in Indy, you got that feeling because the one of the things that I asked a lot of my friends in the the scouting and team exec roles this week was where do the quarterbacks go if Kyler goes one. Haskins goes, say he goes six. Where, where do the quarterbacks go? And what one early in the week, people were saying, well, Foles is going to Jacksonville. So don't, don't slot a quarterback there, Like Foles to Jacksonville. And then they'll probably try to draft offense. 
And it's like, okay, so it it seems like that's maybe the worst kept secret in the NFL right now. Yeah, it definitely does. I think even when they hired Flippo, it was like, okay, they're kind of setting this thing up, knowing which way it's going to go. Um, and, and you go back to the point of where these quarterbacks going to go. I, I don't think the Giants should feel safe just sitting there and hoping. No. Unless you're going to take Daniel Jones, which you're idiots if that's what you do. Whew. That you're flat out idiots. Um, you can't sit. You can't. You can't. You can't. So I, I did a here in New York City on ESPN New York, Dave Rothenberg, really good New York City show. He's a huge Giants fan. And I, I was like, Dave, we just had this conversation last year. They just don't have the urgency right now to take a quarterback or go up for one at least. And I'll tell you what, Dwayne Haskins, when he s- visits these teams, they are going to love him. And I don't think teams are going to go, well, he'll fall to us because I think the Jets, maybe the Raiders, but I think they're content sitting at four. I could see the Jets and the Bucks picking up the phone and saying, fuck it, we don't need a lot. We just want to get a you know a couple more mid-round picks and, and get out of here, come up and get your quarterback. I, I think somebody will be aggressive. And if you're the New York Giants, you should uh, play nice with your New York friends in green and white and, and figure out a way to get a deal done. Yeah, I, I think, you know, last year all the talk was the Giants aren't going to help the Jets. They're not going to trade back from two and let the Jets get a quarterback. Well, they did. <laughs> yeah, they, they did help. Did, the Jets. Unknowingly did. So now I think it's time that I'm with you. It, the Jets are at three. You can't you can't be sure Oakland isn't going to draft a quarterback. You can't be sure Tampa isn't going to draft a quarterback. So if they're really trying to do this Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes thing, they got to go get their guy like you. You have to you have to move up and, and get your player. Uh, speaking of moving up, moving down the Chiefs are sellers and we've talked about the Niners and Chiefs or Niners and Jets, excuse me, being sellers. So are the Kansas City Chiefs D Ford. You want him? You can have him. Justin Houston. You want him? You can have him. Eric Berry, most likely on the move. And I would say at 29 overall, the Chiefs have two twos as well. Here we are. Uh, what are we? Six, seven weeks from the draft. Oh, I, I will just say it now. I will be shocked if the Chiefs make that pick at 29. I actually think they're a team that could move up. If they if they can get something for Houston, if they can get, I mean, you're probably going to get a first or a second for D Ford. I, I think they would be a team that would package up and try to make a splash, like a big splash, and get a premier edge rusher and then focus on getting corners in, in day two. And you know what else they could do, Matt? They can use D Ford to swap picks with someone. Absolutely can. If you're that adamant about getting up from the 29th pick and you don't believe D Ford is really a scheme fit anymore and you kind of want that salary off the books, which is something else we could talk about, I mean, hey, swap picks. Get up there. Get a premier player. Keep this thing building on rookie contracts. And one more thing. I mean, you could tell me if you – I think you do agree with me. I think we've had this conversation a million times. It feels like they're clearing money to make another big free agency move. Like like Watkins last year. Yeah. And I think it'll be on the defensive side of the ball. Earl Thomas, maybe. I just Landon Collins. Landon Collins. I think I, I mean, all I'll say is we got to give Veach a lot of credit for this. He goes into free agency like with the exact plan. And I know everybody has a plan and the whole like you have a plan until you get punched in the mouth thing, but they carry through a plan now for years. And I just think they're going to know exactly how to clear this money, exactly how to use the draft capital they have to be a little more aggressive, and they'll get a pr- one premier free agent again. Yeah, just- I absolutely love it. I, I mean, yeah, that's what they'll do. They, Veach is so good at his job. 
Last bit of news before we'll take a break and we'll do franchise tags. Duke Johnson trade talk is yep. heating up. Uh, I think the Eagles and the Cowboys, oddly enough, are the two teams that I've heard mentioned most often. So the Cowboys are interesting because Ezekiel Elliott, obviously. The Eagles make a lot of sense. They need a running back. They don't want to draft one in the first round. So keep an eye on those two teams for Duke Johnson as trades are going to start popping off anytime yeah. now. And I've heard it's it's only going to be like a day three pick coming back for yeah. him. He is a, right. he has a great salary for what he does. I think he's a lot of teams will value him. And I, I think this is kind of a mistake by the Browns. And they haven't made a lot recently over this last year under Dorsey. But I think this is one where... I don't love it, but uh, somebody's going to get a really nice value third down pass catcher for pretty cheap for Duke Johnson. Franchise tag deadline has come and gone and not a ton of surprises, except I mean, there was probably two in here that we're going to get to. But just to go through it, D Ford franchise tag, Frank Clark franchise tag. And those are numbers that sit above $15 million per year. Not cheap. Same for Jadavion Clowney. Demarcus Lawrence at a cool 20 million because he gets the back-to-back tags. Grady Jarrett, once again, over 15 million. So high numbers to keep premium players. Uh, I sit here and I look at this list, Matt, and this to me seems like we could have the most tagging trades that we've seen in a while now. I, I agree. So we talked about D Ford earlier in the show, tag and trade. We've talked about Jadavian Clowney before on this show. Tag and trade. Demarcus Lawrence is maybe an interesting one too because he has said, "I'm not signing your fucking tender." So I would wonder if there would be room there for a sign a, a tag and trade even. So it, it will be interesting. D Ford, let's start there. Coming in at fifteen point four million dollars on the tag. Everyone and their brother is saying right now that he's gonna. The Chiefs would listen to a trade for him, which I completely support trading a linebacker who has been wildly inconsistent. Not just being offsides in the playoffs either, like wildly inconsistent. He's almost 28 years old. He's been hurt. In 2017, he had two sacks. I know he had 13 last year, but he had two sacks two years ago. So I worry about D Ford. There's no way I would sign a 28-year-old linebacker who has been hit or miss to a a long-term extension. Sneaky old. Yeah, I didn't even know that until you just said it. Uh, That's that's going to be a no for me, dog. Yeah, I just I Randy can't like Jackson and mind you, <laughs> mind you, this is somebody sitting in this chair that his football team needs not one, but two of these guys and they have an abundance of cap space. I'm a pass on D Ford. I think the Chiefs did the right thing by tagging him because I think it's an asset that can be moved. I think he's a good player. Yeah, I, I just think he is not the premier trade piece that a guy like Frank Clark or Davion Clowney would be. I agree. And I think the Seahawks should find a way to get an extension done with Clark. Uh, Same for the Cowboys with Demarcus Lawrence, which that one might get a lot more interesting. But you look at Clowney and it just screams, you know, maybe tag and trade pick swap. A lot of people keep asking me. They're like, oh, well, they all want first round picks, right? It's like not necessarily might do it for a pick swap. So these guys are on the market. I think this is something you and I talked about in length when you'd heard these Clowney rumors early on. Yeah, this is a team that it almost makes the most sense like the Chiefs. You can move Clowney, who's a very good football player, because it gives you the cap space and more assets to just build that offensive line in front of Deshaun Watson, which you have to do. Yeah, you have to. And when you already have Nuke, JJ Watt, like you're paying a lot of guys already. Like you, it's just not feasible. You, I, I think I said this before. You run into Seattle problems where they had to pay Russ and they got to pay Bobby uh, Wagner, and you like eventually you 
You have to pick a couple. Like, okay, well, we're going to build around these guys because we can't pay five or six superstars. You just can't in today's NFL with the salary cap. So I think that's where the Texans are at, where Clowney has been more productive than D Ford, uh, not as hurt, but still banged up. So I think you run into a similar deal of, do we want to, you know, we want to get on the hook for four or five years with this guy who, I mean, he, and I know you say any player can injure any time, but he has a history of injuries that would worry you a little bit more. Frank Clark, I'm with you. That's a player that should get locked up. Like, I don't, it seems like they want to. You know, what my take is, Matt, I don't even know if this is like creative or out there. I think Frank Clark is the best out of the three of them by a lot. Clowney, Ford, and Clark. I don't think that's crazy. Like, I know he's had a pass, and it's something we talk about on the show, you know, coming out of Michigan. Um, people there will vouch for him all day that he's been, you know, nothing but great yep. there since getting there. So he will get a really big extension after cleaning up his image. But I, I think he uh, he's the best football player out of all three of those. Easily. I don't think that's crazy. Like, I, I love yeah. his game. He's but really 13 great. sacks last year. And he's 25. Yeah, that's great. Right? Like that. Yeah, he'll turn 26 over the summer. But yeah. that's that's really good. So I would fi- I'd give him five years. I'm fine with that. He'll be yeah. 31. I'm okay with it's that. It's not going to be a real five years anyway. It never is. No. Demarcus Lawrence, like you said, will be interesting. Grady Jarrett gets tagged. And I've, I've heard for a couple weeks now, they are hell-bent on getting him a, a long-term extension. That's why we've seen some of the maneuvers they've made with the cap, trying to, you know, like Robert Alford is gone. They, they're trying to clear up room for Grady Jarrett. So I think that one gets done. I, I bet he gets an extension. Yeah, I, and that's, I mean, that was great value when they drafted him. Like, this guy is due to get paid. Now, don't let him in the market because somebody would come in with a huge offer to sign this guy. I think somehow even more interesting than the guys that got tagged and could be traded or just the guys that got tagged in general. Like, Demarcus Lawrence, to me, deserves that Cleo Mack deal. And with the surgery thing coming up, it's going to get really interesting down the line. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah. But how about the three guys that are premier players that didn't get tagged here in CJ Mosley, Landon Collins, and the not-so-surprising one in Trey Flowers? It's shocking to me. It really is that, like, I think Trey Flowers is one of the... One of the five best free agents. Uh, he's going to get his class. He will get $17 million per year. Probably from your Jets. Maybe. Yeah. They love sw- They love stealing from New England when they can. And they have a need there. I don't think that's crazy at all. If you get Trey Flowers in free agency and draft Quinn and Williams at three, and keep like, how fucking happy are you? Oh, it's fantastic. You have one of the best. And in a division, this is something that can't be missed out on. Like, New England just wants to run the ball down everyone's throats right now. Right. You need those big dogs up front to stop that kind of run game. Power football. So, and speaking of power football, guy that two guys that are absolutely excellent at stopping it, mostly in Collins. I mean, I don't, I just don't understand this, Matt. It, it almost seems like ego that, and I think the Ravens are. No, from Dave Gettleman? <laughs> yeah, that's the one I'm pissed about because right. DaCosta and the Ravens organization have, Mosley is great, and he's one of the best leaders in the NFL in any locker room. And he's going to get paid a lot of money to come in and do all that. But the Ravens have shown they can draft and replace front seven players for over a decade. And, and DaCosta's been working there helping that, even though this is his first year with full reigns. Landon Collins like, the safety tag is $11 million. I don't get it. What are you doing here? He's young. He's been one of the best defensive players in the NFL at times during seasons. Like, I, this is he's not. He's a three-time pro bowler. I, so you will stand there, and I know he's won Super Bowls. I know he's been their quarterback. 
but you will die on this Eli Manning hill for way too many years, more years than you had to. But a young defensive player that can be a franchise cornerstone, you won't even give him the one-year franchise tag? Here's my problem with this. I have a lot of them, but here's my biggest problem with this. I know of one team that was willing to trade a first-round pick of the deadline for Landon Collins. I mean, then— And they didn't do it. And they and now, they were like fucking one and eight at right. the time. And now if he walks, the best you're going to get is a third-round compensatory. How could you be that dumb? I just, I am not trying to sit here and shit on the Giants because there's a lot of things I like about them right now, including a guy named Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, even drafting Will Hernandez last year. My issue is I don't think Dave Gettleman knows how to play the draft capital game. When you come out in the presser last year and go, hey, when we were on the clock at number two, we shut our phones off. Why would you not call the Jets? Right. Why would you not call the Jets? What do you have to lose? Hey, you guys want to come up and get Sam Darnold for, I don't know, a third rounder? We'll take the extra yeah. third. Great. And we'll and we'll draft Saquon at yeah. three. At Man, three. This is what they do though. And you people I know it's a, it's not Jerry Reese anymore, but it's a lot of the same people. This always happens to them. Oh, we want Leonard Floyd. Bears jump you. Like we always know who they want. They don't play the draft well. They never have. It's how they got stuck with Eric Flowers and Eli Apple because they got jumped both years for players that everyone knew they wanted. And you trade Jason Pierre Paul for a third round pick, which was BJ Hill who once again, like the player, you trade JPP and then he has 12 and a half sacks. Like, I don't, yeah. I am all for trading veterans or players that are not a part of your future, but be consistent with it. I, you ride and die by Eli Manning, but Landon Collins, no, see ya. I just, it's infuriating when you see a GM that is so stubborn in his ways. I, I don't know what the Giants are trying to do. I don't know. And if you sit there at six and you go, right, we'll get our guy, maybe, maybe once again, I just, there's not the right aggression with this front office. I feel. Yeah, no, there's not the right, like long-term planning. And you can look at new England, Kansas city, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, the Rams, there's long-term planning. And there's just, there's absolutely not that when you look at the Giants. And I, I hope they prove me wrong. I hope that, you know, they're just saying all these things about Eli this year where they're like, they do go up and get a quarterback and they do get the right guy and really get this future going with the trio of Beckham, Barkley, and maybe a Haskins. It, it's just at some point you got to see it. You really have to see it. So it's an interesting group that was not tagged and tagged. And I think my biggest take here, Matt, is this defensive for agency class just got a hell of, of a lot better with mostly Collins, Quan Alexander is going to hit Trey flowers. Now hits Justin Houston's going to be on that market. Eventually that's a, that's a really good group that can improve a lot of teams really quickly. Connor, we're back and whoa, buried the lead. Congratulations to me and you. This is the 100th Wednesday episode of stick to football. Damn, we should have done the like a hundred stick to football things or something like that. Something really cheesy and corny, but there's this thing called the NFL draft coming up. So we didn't I think time. instead we're doing 100 draft on draft. questions. Yeah, it seems uh, yeah. 108, whatever. They're all the same. First one from our buddy, Patrick Chamberlain, whose combine performance was more catastrophic for their draft stock relative to their pre combine expectations. Jakai polite. Ugh. Greg Little, yuck. Ugh. Or Elijah still running that 40 holy field. Whoa. He didn't write that. I did. But yeah, uh, I mean, I'm going to be real here. I, as a Jakai Polite fan, I couldn't be more disappointed. Like, I thought Greg Little is really bad. And I never really liked Elijah Holyfield as a, I don't even know if he was in my top eight 
backs in this class. But Ja'Kai Polite, for me, was a round one player. And it, things could not have gone worse, whether it was the lack of preparation, the dreadful interviews. Like, I know teams that came out of that, and they're just like, um, okay, yeah. I guess we're not taking him. Like, when you have that kind of... some, I saw a lot of people... Hit, this was Tim Williams, again, almost. Ooh. Like, yeah. that kind of fall from grace. It sucks. For me, it's Ja'Kai it Polite. Because I think Greg Little was bad on film. And just not just bad all around. I didn't have expectations for Holyfield. Polite, I did. And they just were, it was awful. Absolutely awful. One of my really good friends who is uh, like basically an assistant GM had texted me a couple weeks ago and was like, You're too low on polite. Like, you got to get him up, got to get him up. And I was like, Man. And I think I even told you, Amelo, this. Like, I just keep hearing such bad things that I can't do it. And so I text that guy like Sunday and was like, how about now? Fuck and he you. Was like, Fuck you. That's what he said. <laughs> Fuck you. So, um, and, and like, not to make light of like guys, you know, livelihoods falling apart here, but it's on the player. It, it 100%. And Jai Kev had things at Florida where people said, like, man, he's immature. Immature. Like, That's the thing. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's a lazy. He's not a bad person. There's a difference. He's no. just super, super immature. And it the, can't handle the pressure of someone challenging him. Yep. Yeah, he was so offended by... He came out on the podium and was like, everyone bashed me. Ja'Kai, 200-plus guys at the Combine got bashed. Like, Quinn and Williams, they found the one play that he lost. They found it. They found it. And you know what? Like, And Quinnen's, like, so, like, jolly and upbeat that he handles those things the exact opposite way where he doesn't take any of it personal. And with Ja'Kai, he took it personal, and that's not the point. It just—it's about coachability. That's what they're looking for. They're not looking to make you upset. It's right. It's—it sucked. So. Yeah. Yeah. It that. sucks. But that's why we read. Like that's why rankings aren't set in stone before the combine. Of course. Because that so. stuff matters. Yeah. Nick Baker, what college team won the combine or players from one school surprised you? It has to be Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, Zedrick well, Woods, fastest forty. Yeah. DK Metcalf being genetically engineered. AJ Brown. Like, Greg Little brings it down a little bit, but... Yeah, he does, but... LSU, Devin White, Greedy oh, Williams. God. Uh, Foster Moreau had a really good combine. Dude, how about these fucking Penn State running backs, though? They always do this shit, though. I mean... Like, Penn State always tests well. Yeah, I mean, let's, you gotta give them credit, but yeah. It's getting ridiculous, though, when you look... Miles Sanders went sub-4, 540, 6, 8, 9, 3 cone, jumped well, 20 bench reps, strong as an ox. I just... 211 pounds, like that's that's thick for 5'11". That's a good weight. If he gets that up to 215, 220 in the NFL, these Penn State guys, man, I, I got to give them love. They crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. I thought Notre Dame. Yeah. Had, I mean. Ohio State. Yeah. Oh, Ohio State without that. Draymond Jones if, was disappointing. But Yeah. If Kendall Sheffield could have run, he tore his peck. Like Paris Campbell went 4-3-1. Scary Terry went 4-3-5. That's crazy. Sheffield would have beat both of them. And then it's it's funny how things work. Besides McCole Hardman, bad Georgia combine. Yeah, Georgia was real Whoa. bad. Yeah, Riley was Ridley. Bad. Yeah, Holy Baker was bad. Isaac Nada, awful. Yeah, like what? Yeah. Where did this come from? Yeah, I Hardman four three three is great though, man. Yeah, you know on the low key Auburn. Jamel Dean ran a four three zero, and Darius Slate ran a four three nine. Okay, great times. Yeah, that's a fun question. That's a really good question because, and and it's not obviously the school. It's a lot of, you know, where they're funneled to train. But 
I, these Penn State guys are they're combine ready after their freshman year. They really are. It's awesome. Yeah, great, so great strength program. Burrito, not burrito, just burrito. Oh, yeah. now. Great name. Think ah, me too. Think Giants go after Honey Badger or another young free safety since Collins isn't coming back and grab a strong safety in this draft. Um, no. no, I don't think they I, value. It. I think that exactly. Dave Gettleman doesn't value DBs, just like Jerry Reese didn't value linebackers. Now you have. Yeah, he, he did this shit with Josh Norman, guys. This shouldn't surprise anyone. He just does not value these positions. He's going to draft a bunch of like small school guys on day three and be like, yeah, they have traits. They could play for me. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't see it either. I just don't see them signing. I think Tampa will call Honey Badger. I think the Texans will make a really good effort to get that done. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, my thing is, here's what's crazy, Matt. Landon Collins' franchise tag was, I think, $11.1 million. Who's to say Honey Badger's not getting that in the open right? market? You know what I'm saying? That's why I don't look at this and go, oh, they wanted the cheaper option. No, no, no. Open market is dangerous. Stupid money. I mean, you like the why? Phillies GM said, we're going to spend right. stupid money. That's the NFL free agency. I did hear that the Lions are like all in on safeties in free agency. So oh, that keep makes it, sense. Like, so keep an Patricia. eye on them. Yeah. Yeah, high, like high IQ players that could command yep. the back of a defense. Yeah, and they want leadership, so that's going to be important to them. Uh, Sports Fiend, our guy. We haven't heard, haven't heard, heard that one yeah. in a while. Good to have you back, Sports Fiend. Which one player, in your opinion, rose his stock the most in, most in the most. each of these? Can't read today. <laughs> in each of these position groups, O line, wide receiver, DB. So for me, O line is Garrett Bradbury. Yeah, uh, he's going to go first round. Wide receiver. It's DK Metcalf. Even if it shouldn't be, it is. DB, man, I think it I think it might be Greedy Williams. He proved a lot of the, the haters and doubters wrong, which, yeah. like, I mean, keep it real. I had some concerns about his 40. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I mean, I saw I Riley Ridley. We times. saw Riley Ridley beat him in person down the field. And I'm like, whoa, I don't think Riley Ridley's fast. But sometimes I just thought he just looked good. You know what I mean? Like body yeah. looked good. 40 was good. He's long. He's got the length. Yes, we'd like to see him tackle. So uh, Bradbury's a phenomenal player. Just a pheno- Rapp. phenomenal football player. Taylor Rapp tested through the roof. And another guy that a owns. 399 short shuttle is like. I, that's insane. It's like my uh, big eyes. But like, here's the thing. You know what's funny to me, Matt? Taylor Rapp plays the same style of game that Jamal Adams and Derwin James do, but he doesn't look as physically impressive all the time. Yeah. And he played at Washington, you know, not LSU or FSU where we kind of have that. Washington has great DBs, but LSU and FSU has some legendary NFL DBs. So, I th- and I'm not saying Taylor Rapp is grading out the same as either of those guys. Cause they were top 10 players for me. He won't, he'll be top 20, I think for me, but I think we've almost overlooked the special kind of chess piece he is up front running with tight so. ends, running backs. Then you go to the combine and you go, Oh shit. Like, no, it's real. It's real. Yeah. So I, I think he, I've said uh, recently to me, he's like a poor man's Mika Fitzpatrick, but not like a, no, poor no, no, no. He's like middle class. That's Mika Fitzpatrick. That's very accurate where you could probably play him in the nickel at times. Uh, yeah. I, I just love him coming downhill, like instincts off the charts. So yeah, that's those guys. Really? They made themselves, or solidified themselves, I like to say, a lot of money. Yeah. Any Anyone for you you want to shout out? 
Oh, man. Wide receiver. I thought Scary Terry running that well was kind of shocking. Yeah. Like, I just didn't I, I didn't expect that kind of speed. Uh, I think it's good that he doesn't rise, but Isabella solidifying his speed is really important because there was so much hype around that, and I think people almost didn't believe it. So I look at that. I, I would like to give a shout-out just to the tight ends. I, I think Noah Fant is the guy we thought he would be. Like, you look at him and you just go, he's different. I think he's really, really different. When you look at these seam guys that are, they're weapons. He's not a tight end. He's a weapon. That's the difference. Like Hawkinson is a true tight end where he's such a good blocker. He's so reliable underneath. But Fant, you look as a stretch guy and you go like, damn, like that's, you just don't get a lot of, like you don't get a lot of guys like that. So for a guy that had production questions at Iowa, he's everything he was advertised over summer. So really strong for Noah Fant. Dirt Shingleberry. Great name. Holy smokes. That's a good one. As someone who works in the NFL circles and covers the NFL draft and fans of sports movies, how do you guys feel about the movie draft day? If you've seen it, did Sonny Weaver Jr. build a dynasty that day? I go on record that draft day is the worst movie of all time. It's the worst sports movie of all time. Yeah, that's fair. There's probably worse actual movies. Yeah. It is the worst sports film. Of all time. It is the the second maddest I've ever been watching a movie. Like, because I wanted it to be so... It's like, there's a movie about the draft. Holy... Like, this could be the greatest thing ever. Yep. And I love Kevin Costner. Like, if Kevin Costner's in a sports movie, it's good. The guy was in Field of Dreams. Bull Durham. Like, he's great. They ruined it. The maddest I've ever been in a movie was the Dark Tower movie. Oh, ooh, wow. I almost I walked out. It. Like, I was just pissed. Because it's my favorite book. And, like... They ruined it. I mean, so. if you want to do a draft movie right, first off, it has to be rated R. Like, if, like, there's yeah, some shit with the draft. Don't let Disney do it. Don't let Disney do it. It was so fake. I, I just saw it has a 6.8 on IMDb and a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is like what? 50. That's like 59% higher than it should be. Um, yeah, that's shocking. If I, you could edit the movie and take out the whole love angle, I just, it, the draft is it would not still always, be unrealistic. If you want to do a movie about the people drafting players, it's not going to be a feel-good story all the time. Like, can no. you find them? Yeah, of course you can. Google but, Scott McLuhan. Like, it's not going to be oh a feel-good story. Like, no, it's it's tr- it's a stressful grind of a business. It showed nothing of that. It was like, oh, we got these draft picks, and somebody didn't go to this guy's birthday party. Uh, so we're going to take this guy no matter what. Like, what the fuck? No. That's not it's how the like draft this goes. This guy just ripped a bong hit with a gas mask on. He's going to fall in the draft. I just, I, I mean, we're just like such haters, and we probably, we don't ever take ourselves very seriously. This is the one time where I'm just like, no, that's, that definitely sucked. Like, I didn't. Any even... given Sunday is a sneaky good football movie because, oh, like, the shit that happens is real. Like, it's excellent. I don't know that an alligators have been thrown in a shower, but, like, close. What was the show... That was too real. Playmakers. Oh, my God. And it was, if you would go back, I've done this, like, in the last couple of years. Go back and watch. It's great. And it's mild. Like, it's yeah. so tame. Like, like there's, a like, a, a gay player who hasn't come out, and there's, like, some drug use and, like, a little domestic violence. Like, it's nothing at all. You could just take the last year of the NFL, and it would be worse than that show ever wanted to be. And Playmakers has an 8.5 on IMDb. So it's too bad it got crushed after one season. My goal in life is to reboot it. Yeah, you need to find like a really 
I don't know, like an HBO. Yeah. Get like Peter Berg to do it. Everything oh, Peter Berg would, is good. would crush it and he'd be so into it. It would be so like, dark. Just let me be like your football advisor on it. I don't want to, I don't want any, I don't want to write. Well, maybe a little, but like, let me, like, let's just yeah. have fun. With we'll it. just tell off the record draft stories to use as examples right? in the show. Oh my God. That's tell my point. Charles Haley story, uh, which you have to find Matt in person <laughs> to hear it. That's the rules. Uh, our guy Kyle drove five hours to hear it. So shout out to Kyle. I think it was worth it. 100%. A good time. So Richard Royal, good to hear from RR. He always brings it. Why aren't the Broncos falling over themselves for Josh Rosen in exchange for a mid-round pick? I think that a lot of it is that like, Josh Rosen is a fit guy at this point. And he's not going to trade it for a mid-round pick. Can we end that speculation? I think if he gets going. traded for a if he gets traded for a three. I think he's going for a two. I agree. Okay. I agree. He's not going for a first. Fuck no. That's called no. a bad return on investment. Yeah. Like I've said, man, he's a used car. And as soon as you drove, drove it off the lot, off the lot. <laughs> Matt loves that one. Yeah. It's true, though. I don't know, man. I just I, I can't even give a real answer to our guy RR here because you're you're asking this about a man that has drafted Paxton Lynch, signed Case Keenum, and traded right. for Joe Flacco. That's called yeah. as a Jets fan, I could welcome you to quarterback purgatory hell. There are seats at the bar, it's a cash bar, and you never get to fucking leave unless the Giants pass on Sam Darnold. And the only thing they serve is like room temperature Miller Lite. Yeah, which is gross. Or those Natterday garbage things. It wasn't good. <laughs> I don't want to hide it. It really wasn't good. But man, once you graduate and make it a quarterback heaven, you, four loco on ice all day, baby. Yeah. Turn stock. There's Boulevard yep. wheat. You don't have to drink Jameson anymore. Like our newfound Tito's and lemonade. That's good. Shout out Kyla. That's good, good let, stuff. Let the people sleep on it. So yeah. I but uh, really about the question, like you said, like I just don't think it's somebody that Elway would be interested in from yeah, a personality standpoint. Yep. And also keep in mind, it, it, Elway is he's betting on Flacco, but Elway is betting on this whoever the next quarterback he drafts or trades for that's young, not a veteran like Flacco, to save his job. So yeah. he's not, nobody's going to do that for Josh Rosen, I don't think. He's got to try to win. That's yeah. where he's at right now. So, so last question, because I, I deleted one because we had already answered it. Vince Bobbitt, this dude came to the, the kid meetup on Saturday. So great to meet Vince yeah, and his dad. Awesome, Vince. So cool of you guys to come by. Which really good borderline first round players can you see sneaking in or falling out? My dude is Garrett Bradbury from NC State. I think he's going to sneak in. I think Rocky Sin's going to sneak in. I don't even know if they're like borderline anymore. But I think I think I, they yeah. sneak in. When I hear borderline, I think of Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Yeah, that's a good one. Where I'm like, oh, like if you need a cover player, you take him 25 to 32 easily. Love yeah. him. But, Nikhil Harry. I yeah, think yeah. Sneaks AJ in. Brown. Where's he going? I know. I saw you had him first round in the mock draft. Like, do you, yeah. you think teams feel really good about him? I do. He's just such a good route runner. He's safe. But I, I, I talked to one team and they were like, God, I wish uh, it was before Nikhil Harry ran. They're like, if he could run like a four, six and fall to us at the top of the second round, I would be so happy. <laughs> oh, like, one more falling out. Uh, Yannick adjust. I heard, yeah, I heard, way he's, out. I heard he's going to fall way out. Like he might yeah. go end of the second. I think so. Man, I, I like him on the field. Good player. It's, yeah. You know, so. He's just a little soft. I think. Yeah. Athletic as hell. And um, I, trying to think who else. I think David Montgomery, we had talked about. I think he's out. Yep. Uh, Draymond Jones is out. Irv Smith, what's the deal with him? 
I think he's still borderline. Okay. Sean is, Bonting might be in. Is Irv Smith like the discount Noah Fant in this draft? Yeah, basically. Okay. I mean... He's yeah. like what we hoped Isaac Nada would be. Jonathan Abram. He's in. Wow. I think he's Even in. with the shoulder. Yeah, I think he's going to be okay. Interesting. Oh, man. There's a what lot. What about your guy, Kelvin Harmon? Where are you at after the combine on that? I mean, he's exactly what I thought. So that, yeah. It, um, it sucks because you like want him to test better and be like, fuck you. But like, I knew he was like a four, six guy. He never wins right. with speed. He wins with nuance route at the top of his routes and he catches everything and he, he bodies everyone. Um, I mean, he's going to go in the second round because he doesn't yeah. have the first round testing. And he's somebody that this is who he is, Matt. Like, He's somebody where if he ends up with like the Rams, I know it's stupid to say, but like look what they did with Cooper Cup. Right. It, he's gonna catch like seventy five passes a year for a thousand yards, and everyone's gonna be like, wait, why? Why did this guy go so late? So if you know how to scheme, he's so effective because I just see him catch everything. I think he's got way more juice after the catch than anyone wants to talk about. Like I saw him carry three Clemson defenders. <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay, yeah. what do you want? Like, what, do you want him to just? And Ryan Finley sucks, by the way. So yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, Calvin Harmon, I, I still really like him. I, you know, it's interesting to me, um, since, you know, we have plenty of, plenty of time here to extend this draft on draft. <laughs> I like a lot of wide receivers. I do too. Like, I don't love them. I'm not like, oh, there's Julio Jones. Like, no, that's not. But like, I like Calvin Harmon. I really like Nicole Hardman, JJ Arcega Whiteside. I like Paris Campbell. Like, there's just so many that it's like, okay, there's a lot of good number twos and threes in this group where... I could see us sitting there on the, the desk on the third round of the draft and be like, yo, this guy's going to start. Right. Like if you're, if you're a fantasy or a dynasty kind of guy, this is the year where like, you got to really not that you don't put in the work, but like you really got to grind because there's just going to be so many guys taken in this draft at wide receiver and tight end. Yeah. And, so many. Yeah. And safety and safety, which not fantasy, but yeah. Yeah. Unless you do uh IDPs. So yeah. I, that's Juan Thornhill much. is my like, good sleepy. Lord. Uh, good did he guy. land yet? From jumping? No, I don't think so. <laughs> he just went right to space. Right. Oh, it's unreal. So, Combine is so fun. I mean, this just gives us so much to talk about. Uh, we had a great time in Indy. Once again, thank you so much for everybody that came out. Hope to see you guys at all the events going forward. And, you know, we, we do have some really exciting draft plans to announce soon. So, uh, if you want to cut the cord on your cable, go ahead right now. You could just watch us all three days. No problem with that. If you want to watch both, that's fine. We won't hate you for that. So keep We're giving us you money yeah. at stick. To yeah. And, and keep those, uh, those iTunes reviews coming in. When you send a draft on draft questions there, we see them there. If you just want to spew nonsense, we see it there too. Tons of fun. So Matt, what do you got for us as we, uh, we uh, walk the plank here, get out of this show. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get out, I have to say happy birthday to my mom. Today's that's birthday, nice. So. Of you. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm the good son. Just remember that mom and dad. Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's been fun. I'm glad to get home. Draft 400s ramping up. We have meetups every other every weekend other, yeah. for like the rest of my life. So check that out on night out. If you haven't already look at my pinned tweet. Remember you can go in the bleacher report shop, use that promo code draft, get 20% off any of the stick to football merch. So it's a great deal. We want to see you guys repping those hoodies and stuff. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a good time, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for everybody hanging out today. And uh, we'll t- Bella and I are going to be back Friday morning with a great show guaranteed. 